to Helping Kids Be Kids, the Little Lighthouse Podcast, where our passion is to help parents of kids with special needs be confident caregivers. Our mission is to glorify God by improving the quality of life for children with special needs, their families, and communities. I'm your host, Christina McIndorfer, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's topic is Mending the Soul of special needs parents. My guests are Shauna McClung and Diana Lee. Shauna has a degree in nutrition and exercise. She's been a fitness instructor and an adjunct professor at Tulsa Community College. After a season as a stay-at-home mom, she now works at the Little Lighthouse as Blue Class Associate Teacher. We are joined by Diana Lee, Little Lighthouse volunteer extraordinaire, She came to us three years ago after a 45-year career in the public schools, ranging from being a teacher to a school counselor to a school psychologist. Her career focused on meeting the needs of kids with special needs. After retiring, she came to work with us and improve our transition process by offering one-on-one coaching to each of the parents of our children who will be graduating out of our program and help to smooth out the transition from the little lighthouse into the public school services. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Shauna, Diana, thank you so much for joining me today. I I really feel like this is gonna be an important conversation because it's easy to jump into trying to help our kids be kids. We want to help them. We want to solve the problem. You know, we want, we want to piece together our world that's been shattered by the news that our child's health is compromised or uh, whatever, whatever part of their body isn't as whole as we would have wanted it to be for them. And it's heart wrenching. And so today we're going to have an honest conversation about how do you kind of separate for a moment between what you know your child is going to need and what you need? And how do you acknowledge your own broken heart and mend your own heart so that you're able to let God's love flow through you into the life of your child and your family? So Shauna, could you start by sharing some of your story? How did you become a special needs parent? (laughs) So I have a six-year-old and, um, basically like he started showing signs of delays and it was my first kid. So I had no idea what to expect or like what was actually going to be, you know, quote unquote typical. Um, and so, you know, pieces start to kind of unravel and people started to kind of help me figure it out. And so that's when we kind of started piecing it together and starting to go and ask the professionals more of like, what's going on? Like, do I need to do more or less or what exactly is happening? And so um, basically we um, walked down, you know, an avenue of therapies and surgeries and just lots of struggles. And, um, you know, that's, I also have a four-year-old who is typical. And so I'm raising two kiddos pretty close in age um, that are very, very different. And so um, I am a special needs mom, but I'm also a mom to two, you know, boys. And so um, I think 
I got caught up in the special needs parent label Mm -hmm. versus just being a parent. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that is where I kind of lost myself a little bit and trying to figure out more of like what less of me and more of what I could do for him. And I think in that process, I let go of things that I love to do and things that I um, that fueled me. And in return, it was kind of counterproductive because I was trying to pour a cup that was empty. I was trying to pour into him, but I didn't have much to pour from. And so it really is a strong part of me that now is just so passionate about helping parents see that it's a whole child that we're helping, not just um, the struggles and the things that running from therapies to doctor appointments and back and trying to piece those dots together to help them thrive, but more of we're a family unit and we have a culture as a family and we get to choose what that is and um, how we raise our kid and things like that. So that's so important. So How did you make that realization? Um, A lot of soul searching. (laughs) So um, I think once I, it was almost like not hitting rock bottom, but getting so empty that I just like couldn't pour anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, years and years and years of just, um, you know, we don't sleep very well in our house. So sleep deprivation and things like that started to take a toll on my body. And I think that that was some more key turning points of like, physically, I don't think I can keep this up for much longer. You know, six years in like, whoa, I don't think I can do this for 10 more years or however long that's going to be. And so, you know, that was a huge turning point of like, okay, I think I need to slow down and I need to actually like look more introspectively and say, you know, am I really serving him to my best ability? Is my temper shortened because I'm so tired? Am I, um, you know, not playing with them as much because I'm busy doing other things like calls and insurance and, you know, all the little details that go into being a special needs parent. Um, And so that was more of like, I think, I guess you could say it's rock bottom, but it was more of like, I finally hit a place of like, I can't keep this pace up. And it made me look at like, what do I need to rearrange? What do I need to reinvigorate, reinvoke? What do I need to do to make us all better, not just him type of thing. That makes sense. Yeah. So what did you do? Um, a lot of, again, like I said, like a lot of soul searching, it was a lot of perspective changes. And that was the one thing that, um, you know, I read that somewhere that was like a realization of, I was dealing more with the, um, my emotional reaction to our situation more than the actual situation. Mm -hmm. So it was like, almost like getting off of that roller coaster of the highs and the lows and the kind of waiting for something, one more bad report to come back, like that trauma brain type of thing, like coming back and saying, you know what, the curveballs are going to come and we're going to handle them. Like it's not going to be, we don't need to be in survival mode and always scared of the next, you know, Mm. hardship or hard thing that's going to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Wow. So... Like, what are some specific ways you started thinking differently? How did you start reframing the situation? Um, I also think that, like, I kept – I started to kind of guard my energy and, like, what – started to, like, look at things that, like, really didn't serve me um, to try and keep my cup filled type Mm -hmm. of thing. And so it was, like, I was starting to, like – 
really pay attention to the people who like I felt like were you know God ordained appointments like mm-hmm. I had a friend from childhood who and um, we went to church together and we kind of reconnected because our kids it was right when my kid was starting to regress it was um and although our kids were extreme opposites on the special needs <laughs> um category we connected on those bigger topics like marriage and mm-hmm. our family interactions with our kids and um, schooling, that was a huge thing. So it's just like all these bigger topics that we were still struggling with, mm-hmm. even though our kids were very, very different. She was able to help me with just having conversation and trying to like, um, honestly, like we were both trying to lead each other to the next best step. Mm-hmm. And I really think that God works in those appointments, those divine appointments mm-hmm. of he places people in your life sometimes that just seem so, you know, either far-fetched or just random or whatever. But in reality, looking back four years ago, like, oh my goodness, if I I don't think if I would have had those conversations, I would be at the spot that I am now, which is so like it, it, which is, I truly think is thriving, you know? And so I really started to, um, pay attention to who was coming into our life and, you know, as you know, people naturally leave in seasons of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, like it was, I was being much more intentional with, you know, seeing the people that really made me like come out of my shell and, and just blossom. Like those were the energies that I wanted to be around. And those filled me back up, I think. And those conversations really just little pieces in each conversation was like a healing um, type of thing because it was, you know, being a special needs parent, we honestly, I think every single child is so specifically different mm-hmm. that it sometimes feels so isolating and alone. And I think that in reality, there's some big topics that we're still dealing with that we can relate to with each other versus all the little differences that make our kids so, you know, so special. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Yeah. So in that journey, did you have any aha moments? Yes. So um, this might sound silly, but like there was... Um, I think it was a professional in our life and they were like, yeah, actually like special needs marriages are 80% more likely to be divorced. And that sounds really dark and backwards, but just knowing that like we weren't alone Mm -hmm. in these struggles, because honestly, like in your relationship, you're not in anyone else's relationship. So you don't see what's going on or the struggles that they have. And just knowing like, oh my goodness, it's, I mean, like we have all these outside stressors and like it really was relieving to us to be like, oh no, like it's hard on everyone. And that is such a relief, honestly, because it just shows us that like we're not alone mm-hmm. in these struggles and, and how we felt so isolated as special needs parents. You know, it was just like, it banded us together and it honestly mm-hmm. made us like stronger because we were like, oh, we're not giving up on this. Like it seems so hard in the struggles, but it was just like, it was like a culture reframe for our family of like, oh, no, like we're just going to be a special needs family. Like, yeah, our, some of our things are harder, but parenting is hard in general, too. So like yeah. you have to remember that and like have so much amount, like so much grace. It gave us so much grace in our relationship of like not letting all those little things like really eat at our relationship and our marriage yeah. um, and really just truly really turned us into kind of like a couple that was thriving while raising a kid with special needs, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it sounds like to me, just understanding that there are unique challenges that face the marriages of people who have a child with special needs kind of gave you and your husband a chance to realize that you were back on the same side of the fight. Yes. And then to kind of be resolved to overcome together. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah, that's so powerful. I think um, I think by aha moments, I kind of mean like, what are those truths that you encountered that gave you permission to like face life differently than you did before? Like shift yes. from sort of like this victim life is coming out me kind of yes. thing to like, this is the life I'm in and this is how I'm going to overcome and thrive and make this the new life that I dreamed of. Yes, and I think it was reframing, like knowing that like, us as a family, like we did the little silly things like, you know, we're Team McClung and all oh. the kids do this like thing with us where we put our hands in like we're like literally like a little soccer team. And it was just like we got permission to reframe the culture of our family. Yes. And it took off the things that we should be doing. Like you should be doing this as a family. Or you should be doing this or whatever. And it just gave us permission to be free and like enjoy the loving aspect of being a family and we are a team you know no matter what we face like we're a team and like our kids like just jumped on that bandwagon and it's so like encouraging as parents to just see your kids like so different they're such such opposites come together and say you know what family doesn't mean we're all exactly the same we're not carbon copies of each other we're we're a group that loves each other no matter what the struggle is and I think that that was reframing our culture as a family was just so like life breathing yes. um, because it just yeah like it just gave our family permission to be ourselves and be unique oh, you yes know? and so like that I think we've we shed off all of those you know, I think it even happens when you first get married and things like, oh, what you should be doing, what you should. I mean, I think uh, of that theme, to take out should out yes. of your like vocabulary. Yes. Because it yeah, can my pastor says, don't up. should on yourself. Yes, yeah. absolutely. One of my mentors would say that. And I'm like, exactly. I'm going to shut off everything that I should be doing and follow my heart, follow the Holy Spirit, follow what I know you know, I'm being called to do, even if it doesn't make sense, you know, to the outside world. And that's the same thing with like, watching his milestones and his inches and things like that that would happen it was is this happening on the the time scale that everyone else says that should be happening and taking that off and saying you know what we're going to celebrate the little things we're going to celebrate when they when they do happen if they're if they happen years down the road versus months down the road and that was something that I like walked through with a struggle of just like you know we did surgeries and therapies and all that stuff but I also watched him as he like lost his words. You know, he started talking, he started babbling. It was mama was there, dada was there, and then it started to slip away. And I just watched it. And that was that control, like watched it slip out of my fingers where I thought I had control. Like I got this together. And that was really so humbling. And I think that that walking through that journey of surrendering, even if it was begrudgingly, like not truly wanting to surrender because my nature is I can control this. And if I control it, it doesn't feel out of control. And so like watching things that I truly had no control over slip out of my fingers and just, you know, letting that humble me and just truly letting God like I relinquished control. I let go of that tight grip and I opened my hands to him and just, you know, surrendered of like, okay, God, I know you have a will for his life that has little to do with me. I'm just, you know, I'm just his, what is that saying? Like we only get him for, you know, however long from God, you know, like I know you have a will for him and it doesn't have to do with everything I want for his life. And that was also really healing because it was a slow process, but it was, you know, something that once I did really like let go of control, it was healing to my heart to say, I don't have to I don't have to dig in deeper and make it work for him, you know, and 
when his words did come back, you know, three years later, it was celebrating those little things. I remember recording the time he said mama for the first time and he was almost four years old. And I was like, he said mama like that was so. And I remember like watching people on social media where they were like, he said mama. And it just still gives me chills because it was like that feeling of it's back. It's back yes. and it was on God's timeline. It yes. wasn't my timeline or the or the screaming timelines where it says he uh, should be saying this at yeah. 12 months or 24 months or whatever. It was oh my gosh, it's back and it was it took years yeah. and I'm so thankful. You know, it was like, you know, you don't it's that resiliency. You like you don't have resilience until you really walk through right. a hardship, quote unquote, you know. Yeah. And so it's like it built a resilience in me of like there's always hope for the future, even if the future looks so different than what you planned or so different than what you imagined or painted. And don't get caught up in that it's never going to be like it, like I wanted it or it should be. Gosh, that word, it just always comes back how it should be. And like letting go of that control, it was just so healing and enlightening and empowering because I was just free to start making his timeline based on what he was doing. And I was starting to say, instead of like, oh, he should be doing this in a year. I was like, you know, what is the next thing that he could be doing? Like, is he going to try new foods? Because food aversions is like our huge thing. Yeah. You know, and so it was like trying inch by inch, like what is like just another new thing that we could expose you to. It might take you 12 to 24 times to get it, you know, you know, the way you want it. But it's going to be there. Like I can do those next few exposures of food or words or whatever. Yeah. And the energy behind like what I was talking about with therapy is play and play is therapy. Yeah. That was so like, that was such an aha. I was like, oh my gosh, these therapists aren't doing something magical to him or with him. Uh It's things that I can do with him all the time. And my energy behind it is so important because I would, like I said, I would come into like the things that the therapist would have me you know, do at home or whatever. And I would pressurize it and like fill it with anxiety because he had to put the cup in the bowl. And if he didn't do the cup in the bowl, then it wasn't a success. Mm -hmm. And literally it was, no, like he's touching the cup. Okay. He's touching the cup. That's a step. Okay. Yay. Like celebrating those little tiny things and getting excited about it in the moment was contagious to them. And I, and I mean, honestly, once I watched it with my four-year-old too. It's like, if you do it begrudgingly, they're going to do it begrudgingly. Right. But if you do it with excitement, they're going to think it's exciting, even if it's yes. putting a cup in a bowl. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yes. So it was just like you coming into it with a different energy made all the difference. And that's what I like, ugh, gosh, as a parent, just if I would have told myself that like and re- believed myself four years ago, five years ago, I think I would have changed so much of just how I approach situations yeah. versus, you know, what I know now. Like, and it all yeah. comes back to that perspective and that emotional entanglement around the situation. Like, I was so caught up in these emotions around what was going on versus just simplifying it and saying, okay, if he touches the bowl, if he touches the new food, that is a win. Yes. And hearing therapists say that was like, oh, that's a win. Oh, okay, great. That's a win. Yeah. Like they gave me permission to enjoy the little things and yes. create play and excitement versus, you know, the stress. And like, that's what I was saying earlier is, you know, even if you have to schedule and I know mamas that are like, I don't want them to get messy. I don't want to make another mess. And I was like, I, I was so there. <laughs> like, even if you have to schedule in like, once a week, we're going to make a giant mess and it's going to yes. be put, 
pudding all over the place. It's going to be whipped cream all over the place. Yes. It's going to be running in the rain, getting them exposed to grass, like whatever it right. is. They get muddy. They get messy. Yeah. And we clean it up. And we allowed ourselves permission to do that once a week or yes. once a day or once a month, whatever you can handle. Yeah. Like, I think that was um, super helpful for me, too, to just – I'm not super, super structured and super right. type A, but allowing them to permission – not every day to make a mess if I can't handle it, but like once a week if I can handle it and calling that sensory play and having them enjoy it and having them get exposed to it. You know, that was, that was therapy, quote unquote, you know, that was, right. That was growing them in ways that I didn't realize it wasn't ABCs. It was (laughs) something else type of thing. So I think that was really healing for me too. It's just simplifying the process and putting the, the excited energy and not the nervous energy back into you know, growing this little human. (laughs) Yeah. So you did the heart work and you did the head work so that you could really see your kids and engage life with them rather than maybe just being stuck in that place of, you know, overwhelmed or burdened or feeling lost and then seeing life through that lens. Yes. Now you can see it. How would you define your lens now? Like what's your perspective, your outlook on life? I just, I feel reinvigorated. Like, Mm. and that was part of that, like, self-care and, like, building a network in a village around us that, you know, didn't look exactly how I thought it was going to look. Just like with self-care, like, I had to start taking care of myself and pouring back into my cup. And I thought, I got confused as like, oh, self-care is, you know, bubble baths and bath bombs and reading a book. And in reality, like, that doesn't serve me very well. Like, Mm -hmm. that's almost kind of taxing (laughs) on me to take that, like, alone time. Like, I wanted to be out with friends or rock climbing or running or doing races and setting goals and attaining them. And, like, I had lost a lot of that with only focusing on him Mm -hmm. and I think pouring back into that cup helped me to like look up and be like oh when I go out and do races I meet new people and they like to do the same thing I like to do and they also have a connection to either a special needs kid or they just have an empathetic heart and are willing to kind of grow and learn with our family and that was where I started building our village of like it our village didn't look like you know, it had to be like blood relatives. It was people that just simply were walking alongside us that enjoyed our family and they were open to our ever dynamic changing um, and just being able to roll with the punches like we were. And so that building a village and building a network of people that just understood helped with that isolation and feeling alone um, and just realizing like there's people out there who are struggling with the same thing or have nothing to do with the special needs world but they just love him and that was I just the love was back in our life of all these people are just so loving and I love that (laughs) I love being around them and so like let's follow that energy like let's follow those um, those people and intentionally be around people that you know, love to be around a kiddo that, you know, has meltdowns here and there, but are, is still a great kid, you know, type of thing. So, yes. Oh, this is so great. I love it. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, how has this affected the way you see your son? Like when you look at him <sighs> now, what do you see? What is the gift inside of him that you are kind of like unwrapping? I am a big cat. That was something changing the way I looked at him was huge too because instead of seeing his struggles and all the things that really made it hard for him I start I started looking at him as just like this brilliant 
kid full of love. And I was like, if these kiddos who have these struggles can grow up to be doctors and theoretical physicists like Stephen Hawking, like it starts with me seeing the value and the love in him. And when he started going to school, it was really important because with the people who were pouring into him, I wanted them to know and see that he had value and that he... I mean, if you don't show the kiddo that he has value, like they're not going to grow up knowing they have value. And so I just look at him now as he's brilliant. Like he has these struggles here and there, but he is so brilliant and so loving and just has this heart for people and like people to see him and like, like their whole world changes just by interacting with this kid that is just exuberant and intense and loving and like yes he has these these struggles but that doesn't define him just like our struggles don't define us and so I think that just changing I was really intentional too about just changing our outlook on it which changed I think the people who are around us their outlook on it and I think that piece by piece we're going to change this world yes with um, looking at these kiddos with love and value rather than their struggles and things like that. So I think that now, yeah, looking at my kid as just, it's just a 180. You know, I was, if you would have told me that three years ago while I was in the thick of things, there's like, he's not talking yet and I just want to help him. Like there is such a heart change there because although things did start to progress, like even if they never did, I knew I would tell myself like if it never changes, like he is so like great like I don't know like it was changing what I was telling myself in my mind and what I was focusing on that perspective change was so empowering and enriching in our lives um, and it, nothing really changed except for my perspective and my heart for it for it and towards them you know and that's just I think like I said the energy when you come into play if it's anxious or if it's excited is contagious and just like the energy that you interact with the public and the professionals around you, like they're feeding off of what you think and feel about your kiddo um, and what you want out of life for him and things like that. So it's like coming to it with like a different energy, I think is so important. And just that perspective of like love and wrapping him up no matter what he is or does in struggles or, you know, benefit, just everything. I don't know. Just wrapping him up in love was just the difference there it was that heart change of of course I loved him but I just I started looking at him with all his strengths versus all his struggles mm-hmm. you know I was rushing from appointment to appointment to therapy to therapy because I was like oh he has this struggle and he has this struggle and this struggle and you've got to go to that therapist for that one and you know all those little pieces that I was hustling so hard to connect those dots for him in reality it can happen much more organically than that but like also changing my heart behind it of like you know what these are things that are going to help them and this is going to help them thrive. And you know, if it works great and if it doesn't, that's okay. We'll readdress. We'll reassess. We'll do, we'll, we'll do what, what he needs to, you know, thing, things like that. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love your energy. You use that word a lot and I really like it. It's important. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Diana, um, I, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I, I, I am. am. I'm standing in awe. <laughs> It's always a pleasure to have you with us to give your professional opinion. What are some suggestions that you would give for parents in helping them bridge toward this kind of freedom for themselves? Well, it's kind of like I want to say, if you want to be like Shauna. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Our poster then, child. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think, you know, we hear so often about the battlefield of the mind mm-hmm. uh, and how thoughts can be so disruptive and destructive in our lives. Also... Uh, 
the words that we say to ourselves mm-hmm. can make all the difference. And you can hear Shauna's done all that work. <laughs> she's done the heart work, but she's done the head work. And so I kind of got a list of new words to use okay, and new thoughts to think. Um, and she's already, the first one that she just has talked about is that you look at your whole child and you celebrate who he is. Yes, there may be limitations. Yes, there may be some some abilities that are lacking, but I celebrate my child first. Another thing that I think is so important is to realize on your journey as a special needs parent, there are going to be things that you have to do that are hard. There are going to be decisions that you have to make that are scary, but you do it scared anyway mm. because it's what they need. Mm-hmm. I think planning for the future, but remembering you do this a day at a time Mm. so that you're not so far in the future that you're missing Mm -hmm. what's going on right today. Also to think about, I have hope, but I don't have to have miracles. I can celebrate what's happening each mm-hmm. little inch, you know, we talk about at Little Lighthouse that we don't look at milestones, we look at inch stones. <laughs> and to be able to celebrate that because that in itself is a miracle too. Also to work on keeping worry at bay so that you can enjoy the present. That you think about things with my glasses half full. And yes, this has been a struggle, but I have learned so much mm. and it's made my life so much richer. And, and I think we have to look at that. It's, you know, we, struggle is the word, but what's the benefit? What did I learn? What did it do for my life? When you look at your child, I think too, as much as you can to look at the world like children do, which is everything is possible. Mm. We as grown-ups let reality close all kinds of doors, but kids don't see why it can't happen. Mm -hmm. I don't see why I can't have a pony in the apartment. You know, (laughs) that that should happen. I want that. Um, I think also, as a parent of a special needs child, you begin to really appreciate and understand individuality, and that throws you outside a box, and you forget that there's a box to think in. Mm. And you just create new stuff that you're just amazed that, oh, my gosh, I never thought of it this way. But the wonderful thing is you lost the box along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that opened your thinking up. And, and Sean has already talked about this, this whole idea that with your special needs child, all of your time should not be focused on trying to teach, to stimulate, to cure celebrate and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because, again, they're going to feel your intensity and somewhere along the line, do they read that as, Mama must think there's something really wrong with me because she works so hard on me mm. instead of playing with me. Mm-hmm. The whole idea that as hard as you work to take care of everybody in your family, you too are important and you deserve to take care of yourself. Uh, all the feelings of guilt or shame or anger that, that you have, just need to disappear. They mm. need to go away because it, it it takes the sunshine out of your growth. You, you just can't grow that way. That support system, 
Uh, and, and Shauna talked about that. Sometimes you think, well, it, it'll be my family that'll support me, but we can choose family. And we can choose people that are going to grow with us, uh, that are going to support us, that are going to bring new thoughts to the table mm-hmm. to expand our world. Uh, keeping the balance, I've got, she has four, I have four people in my family and they all deserve importance. They all deserve time. They all deserve love. And I think for special needs families, so often we get so busy taking care of the one child Mm-hmm. that we lose time to take care of everybody else that belongs in the family. Understanding that you may not be able to do everything, and that's okay. I did the best I could today, mm-hmm. and I feel pretty sure that I'm going to have some tomorrows, and maybe I can get the rest of it done tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Not blaming yourself that your child isn't making progress by the chart. But again, to celebrate that, oh, I never thought this would happen. And now look, and throw the calendars and the charts out. Just celebrate that it's even happening. Throw that chart away. (laughs) Um, I think also giving yourself permission that you don't have to explain your child Mm. or your family to everyone. You can just be who you are. You can be Team McClung, and that's okay. As you look back over your journey, I think it's so important to celebrate where you are now, that I've learned how to find information. I've learned how to find resources. I've developed a support network for myself. I don't measure myself by what my child is able to do or not do. I'm sensitive to other people's viewpoints because I've learned to be a better listener and to gain information from everybody that I rock climb with or mountain climb with or walk in the park (laughs) Mm -hmm. with, I gain my information and I tuck it away for that time when I need to have it. I also, I also have been able to maintain a sense of humor for the, for the times that you've got the detours and the delays and the embarrassments, the, the mom that came running into one of our family gatherings and it was 45 degrees outside and her little one had nothing but a diaper and she wrapped him up in a blanket and she said, I'm so sorry. And we all laughed and I said, everything's in the back seat. And she said, yeah, but I was late and I needed to come in and it was okay. Yes. We all were able to laugh because we all understood. Um, I think also understanding that I can't control what other people think, but I have my own truths. I've made a long, hard journey, and I've grown into an incredible special needs parent. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been a special moment. I'm so thankful that each of you have shared from your hearts what you have. (laughs) Uh, I'm curious from... From the context of this conversation, what does helping kids be kids mean? I, I, I remember back, I have to tell a little story to how do you help kids be kids. I was doing research in a graduate program in, in Florida, and I was at a state school, and I was in a unit that had uh, adolescent boys with cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I was doing the research, the fire alarm went off. Mm. I had no idea what or what to do, and so I just kind of 
stood against the wall and the young the young boys that were ambulatory literally were lifting mm. other children out of their beds and pulling them across the floor and the room was empty and then all of a sudden a little boy came running back in and he grabbed me and he said mama come and it totally changed the tra the trajectory of what I was going to do in education because mm -hmm. I thought no matter the package there's an incredible human being inside look past the package because the gift is inside mm -hmm. so that's what it means mm -hmm. for me anyway unwrap the gift yeah could you ask the question again <laughs> Shana, what does helping kids be kids mean to you? In our world, it meant throwing out the charts, throwing out the screenings, throwing out the expectations and the timelines, and reintegrating the love, um, the laughter, the love, the things that make kids who they are. Um, and I think watching that in other people's lives where they just – they had struggles, but the love was so deep and so strong and so there. It gave me freedom and permission to be unapologetically loving to my my family, my child, children around me that had similar needs um, or even different needs. It was reintegrating the love. And I think that letting kids be kids, helping kids be kids is doing exactly that, celebrating the little things with love, celebrating the little things that they're able to accomplish um, and just celebrating who they are as an individual um, versus labeling expectations and um, timelines on them. Um, but just, I think it just really whittles down to love. Um, just knowing that these kids are loved and that gives them permission to grow into who they truly are meant to be and who God has, who God, who God wants them to be and all he has in store for them, honestly, in my, in my world, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Unwrap the gift of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions for our staff or stories about how this podcast has benefited you, email us at helpingkidspodcast at littlelighthouse.org. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us at littlelighthouse.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. At The Little Lighthouse, we gladly give away our services and resources for free. We can do this because of the generosity of people who believe in the value of all kids. If this podcast helped you, consider joining The Crew, a passionate and determined community of monthly givers on mission to discover solutions that change the future of kids with special needs. Until next time, enjoy helping your kids beat kids.